You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Esther's tears represents the depth of her pain and the depth of her helplessness. She had a tremendous burden for her people. Oh, that we would have that kind of burden for those who are lost in sin. That we would have that kind of burden in our heart for those who are lost in addiction. Those who are hung up and caught in sin and, 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 and struggling in the world. That we, too, would have that kind of heart. The heart I see in Esther to those that have been condemned because of their sin. Oh, that we would have that kind of a heart. There are likely people you'd be happy to see face judgment, whether it's their particular brand of sin or that they've hurt you or the people you care about in some way, you'd prefer that they get what they deserve. But today, Pastor Dave will remind us that God sees those people with grace and compassion. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Esther chapter 8 as he begins his message, A New Dance. In order to move on, there needed to be another plan. The king couldn't just cancel the decree. He couldn't just cancel out the decree. And you know, one of the the commentators I like to read is John Corson. And he made an interesting observation that I want to share with you. But when David disobeyed King Darius's decree that everyone should bow at a certain time to this statue, and he was sentenced to die in the lion's den, the king really didn't want Daniel to die. The king really liked Daniel. But if you read in Daniel 6, you find out he couldn't change his law. He couldn't change his decree. He had to throw Daniel into the lion's den. So think about that. That's how difficult this law was. It could not be changed by anyone. There was approximately nine months left before the original decree would be carried out. Nine months left. And the odds are once again against the Jews, but remember... The Lord had brought Esther and Malachi to that very place for such a time as this. They were there by God's hand. They were there by God's providential hand. God had them in the exact place he needed them and wanted them to be in order to carry out his will. Had they not been there, who knows what would have happened to the Jews? Who knows what would have happened? Probably God would have had somebody else in plan. Trust me, God's plans are never thwarted. But... Think about it. Many might have died instead. So that's kind of a a catch-up on where we were. Now we're going into chapter 8, and this is where it begins. Let's look at verses 1 and 2. And on that day, King Ahasuerus gave Queen Esther the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told how she was related to him. So the king took off his signet ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther appointed Mordecai over the house of Haman. On the same day that Haman was executed, the king now moves on. He moves on and Esther gives them an indication that she's related to Mordecai. This is the first time in the book that she openly tells the king she's related to Mordecai. 
okay? He's basically her adopted father. So the king gives all of Haman's possessions to Esther. This is an ancient custom. When a traitor is executed, the possessions automatically go to the throne. And then the king can do whatever he chooses. The king can do whatever he chooses with those possessions. And so what he does, he gives them to Esther. He gives them to Esther, and then she, in turn, puts Mordecai in charge of everything. So it's a pretty neat thing that's happening here. The king even goes so far as to give his signet ring, the one he had already given to Haman, to Mordecai, basically making Mordecai now the prime minister. He was second only to the king. So Mordecai becomes raised up in this beautiful, beautiful thing that we're watching here. You know, and in, again, in Psalm 37, it's interesting in verses 34 and 36, it says, wait on the Lord and keep his way and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. And David says, I've seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a native green tree, yet he passed away. And behold, he was no more. Indeed, I saw him, but he couldn't be found. Haman is gone. Wicked Haman is out of the picture. And now the Lord is using Ahasuerus to raise up Mordecai. Mordecai. As I looked at this, and as I studied this, it, it, it seemed like King Xerxes, or Artaxerxes, if you will, was pretty liberal with his power of attorney by giving away his signet ring. He seemed to give it out pretty liberally. It reminded me of something. It remind, maybe just the Lord wanted to remind me of this anyhow. When Paul said to Timothy, we need to be careful to whom we give power to. We need to be careful to whom we appoint to a specific position. Paul instructed young pastor Timothy, don't lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share in another person's sins. Keep yourself pure. People's sins find them out later. I've found myself in the time that I've been in ministry, it's more difficult to revoke position or revoke power than it is to give it. Once you give it, it's difficult to get it back. So we have to be careful. And Timothy is one, is, was a young pastor in Ephesus and Paul was talking to him about giving positions and giving power to various people in the church. And he said, don't lay hands on anybody too safely. Xerxes didn't seem to be concerned about it. He didn't care. He just gave his signet ring out to anybody he wants. So Mordecai benefits from Haman's execution. However, what we don't get from this is God does not always give this kind of happy ending to everybody. Sometimes, even today, not all faithful Christians get promoted. Not all faithful Christians are given special honor. Some are even fired because they take a stand for Jesus Christ. Not everyone gets this. But remember, God has not promised us that we will be promoted. He has not promised us that we will be rich in this life. But he has promised us and he has assured us that he is in absolute control of all circumstances and that he will write the last chapter of our story. He will write the last chapter of our lives and where he's working everything together for good as we see in Romans. If we don't get this promotion here on earth, there's a promotion waiting for you in heaven. A glorious thing waiting for us. So don't fret. We're to store up our treasures in heaven. We're to store up treasures in heaven so that way when we get there, they'll be there. We'll see them and we'll be rewarded. So now Esther is going to reveal her heart to the king. Let's look at chapter, uh, verse three. Now Esther spoke again to the king. 
fell down at his feet and implored him with tears to counteract the evil of Haman the Agagite and the scheme which he had devised against the Jews. As I said earlier, this law cannot be revoked. It cannot be revoked. Esther, no doubt, appreciated the king acting on behalf of her people and the gift of Haman's household, but that didn't solve the problem. The problem still remained. The Jews would be annihilated on a specific day, on a specific month, and a day and time. It was going to happen. No one could stop that decree. Esther's tears represents the depth of her pain and the depth of her helplessness. She had a tremendous burden for her people. Oh, that we would have that kind of burden for those who are lost in sin that we would have that kind of burden in our heart for those who are lost in addiction, those who are hung up and caught in sin and, 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 and struggling in the world, that we, too, would have that kind of heart, the heart I see in Esther, to those that have been condemned because of their sin. Oh, that we would have that kind of a heart. Esther approaches the king, and she finds favor. Let's look at 4 and 6. And the king held out the golden scepter toward Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king and said, If it pleases the king, if I have found favor in your sight, in his sight, and the things seem right to the king, and I am pleasing to the eyes, let it be written to revoke letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamanatha, the Agahite, which he wrote in an isle to annihilate the Jews who are in the king's providences. She couldn't just go to the king and ask him. She had to butter him up first. She had to say, oh, all these glorious kings. Kings were peculiar. Kings were strange. You couldn't just blurt out what you wanted. You had to kind of circumvent them. We see this all through the scriptures, all through the scriptures. My favorite one is all those mealy-mouthed guys in Daniel who would go to the king, oh, king, live forever. But Daniel's a rat. You got to kill him. You know what I mean? That's... I love that. I love that. But you just can't go to a king. You can't do that. You just can't come. However, however, I hope you know where I'm going with this. We can go to our king. We can come boldly to that throne. And we can seek and ask and find grace and mercy in our time of trouble. And that's a terrible paraphrase of Hebrews 4.16. But we can go to our king. We don't have to do all these crazy things. We can go to him and he hears our cries. This is all she could do. This was all she could do, but it proves to be enough. Once again, Esther is accepted by the king, and she's invited to speak to him. He holds out the scepter, and Esther sees it, which means he, she can come forward. She knows that he can't revoke the letters. He can't revoke this decree. He, she knows that. But she gives it the good old college try anyhow. She knows that he can't revoke it. She tells the king that the destruction of her people would be more than she could endure. She's interceding for her people. She's risking her life now for her people in front of the king. Once again, as I studied and looked at this, Esther exhibits the heart of Moses, and she exhibits the heart of the apostle Paul. Both of these men. In Exodus 32... 32 exactly, Moses interceded for the Jews. God was going to destroy them. God was going to wipe them out and start over with Moses. But Moses came before God and said, let my name be blotted out. Don't take it out on them. Let my name be blotted out. 
when Paul was writing his beautiful book in Romans, in chapter 9 and verse 3, he said that he was willing to be accursed from Christ if it meant his people, the Jews, would come to knowledge of Jesus. Wow. And the list goes on, folks. Elijah prayed for disobedient Israel on Mount Carmel. Nehemiah interceded for the nation in Jerusalem. Likewise, Ezra wept and prayed that God would help the sinful nation. Daniel humbled himself and prayed that night that he could understand God's plan for the future for the Israelites. Beautiful examples of intercession. Beautiful examples. Let me ask the question, what would you do? What would you give up for someone to come to the Lord? Think about that. What would you give up for maybe one of your children to come to the Lord? Maybe your spouse, maybe some friends. What would you give up? These guys were willing to give up their salvation that others might be saved. That's a true heart. That's a wonderful heart. The king, loving his wife the way he did, here's his wife, knows what he wants to say, and he tells Mordecai to write a new decree Concerning the Jews, look at seven through nine. Then King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther and Mordecai, the Jew, indeed, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and they have hanged him on the gallows because he tried to lay his hands on the Jews. You yourselves write a decree concerning the Jews as you please in the king's name and seal it with the king's signet ring for whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring no one can revoke. So the king's scribes were called at the time in the third month, which is the month of Sivan, on the 23rd day, and it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded to the Jews, the satraps, the governors, and the princes of the provinces from India to Ethiopia, 127 provinces in all, to every province in his own script, to every people in their own language, and to the Jews in their own script and language. Beautiful. It was true. The king had been gracious with Haman's possessions. But that didn't solve the problem. That didn't solve the problem for what was going to happen to the Jews. The king goes on to tell Esther and Mordecai that they can draw up whatever kind of document they want that would deal with the problem. He's given them carte blanche. They can write up any type of decree that would deal with it. Remember, Mordecai has the king's ring. He can stamp it and seal any document which would go with the weight of the king. He could do that. The king goes on to tell Esther to do that. You can draw up whatever you want and deal with this problem, meaning that they had all the resources of the kingdom behind them to do what they needed to do. But the original decree could not be reversed. Mordecai didn't waste any time. He immediately calls the scribes and begins drafting up a new document that, that can be translated in all sorts of languages all over the kingdom. A new decree must be written. Let's look at 10 through 12. And he wrote in the name of King Ahasuerus, sealed it with the king's signet ring, and sent letters by couriers on horseback, riding on royal horses bred from swift steeds. By these letters, the king permitted the Jews who were in every city to gather together and protect their lives, to destroy, kill, and annihilate the forces of people or providence that would assault them, both little children and women, and to plunder their possessions." On one day in all the providence of King Ahasuerus, on the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar. Wow. So a new decree is written. A new decree is written. It gives the Jews the power to defend themselves. This is what's happening. 
Now they have the power to defend themselves. When these groups come against them, they can go against them and they have the power to defend themselves. And then if they succeed, which they do, they can keep all the possessions. All the spoils of war can go to them. The old decree was not abolished. It was still in effect. But the victims were provided a way out. Let me read that again. The old decree was not abolished, but the victims were provided a way out. Does this sound familiar to anybody? I hope it does. I hope it does. A wonderful, wonderful example of salvation. A wonderful example of salvation. God has sent out a decree that stands as firm as the law of the Medes and the um, Persians. Maybe even more so because it's his very word. In Ezekiel 18, 4, it says, Behold, all souls are mine. The souls of the Father as well. The soul of the Son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. We know in Romans the wages of sin is death. We know in Romans that it says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Therefore, any man whose sin is now guilty before the law, and they must die because of their sin. That is the decree. That is the decree that went out. It can't be changed. It won't be changed. It's called the law. It's called the law. But God sent a Savior. God sent a Savior, Jesus Christ. And when I, when I read that and I wrote that, it took to me to one of our, again, favorite passages. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of obedience, disobedience among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus, for grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast." Hallelujah is right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah is right. Mordecai and Esther had to come up with a new decree. God saw that the law wasn't working. He knew the law wouldn't work. But the law became a tutor. It showed us our sin. I didn't know what sin was until the law came into effect. But the law showed me I was sin. So the Lord issued a new decree. But not... Unlike the first, we were reconciled to God through this. It became a new covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ because of what Christ did on the cross. The cross becomes a symbol of our new covenant. What he did on that cross now doesn't cancel out the law because we know he fulfilled the law, but it appeases the law. It was the propitiation of the law. He was the propitiation for us. He hung on that cross in my place, in your place, and died a death that we should have died because that's what the law said. That was the original decree. We should have died. But I'm alive. Now in Christ, I live. He is the hope of glory that dwells within me. And I live in him now because God had a better plan. God knew all along man couldn't uphold the law. It was God's plan all along to send Jesus Christ to earth. It was his plan all along. And that's what he did. And Christ fulfilled every part of the law. So he becomes the perfect sacrifice for us. The very perfect sacrifice to hang on that cross and die on a tree. Cursed is every man who lives, dies on a tree. 
It was hung from a tree, excuse me. The new covenant didn't cancel out the old covenant because Christ fulfilled the old covenant and he appeased God by his death on the cross. God made a way to escape the penalty of death through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. God made a way for you and me through the cross of Jesus Christ. Do you see the, the similarity here? You see the similarity. But like any good teacher, the Lord didn't simply tell us what we needed to do. He told us how to do it. Acts 16, 31, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Romans 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You, this new decree that is going out is urgent news. So they saddled up everything they could and they went, went around and they gave the message out. It meant salvation to all that would hear this good news. All that would hear this good news that was coming out to them that they would be saved if they did what the new decree said. It was salvation. So they start spreading the news. I had to say it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Look at 15, 13 through 15. A copy of the document was to be issued as a decree in every providence and published for all the people so that the Jews would be ready on that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. The couriers who rode on royal horses went out, hastened and pressed by own by the king's command, and the decree was issued in Shushan the citadel. So Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal a power of blue and white with great crown and a golden garment of fine linen and purple, and the city of Shushan rejoiced and was glad. Don't you love it when the good guys win? I do. I love it when the good guys win. We're winners. We win. The good news goes out and all who hear it now have a chance to be saved. The good news goes out. The good news, the gospel goes out all the time and all who hear it have a chance to be saved. All who hear it have a chance to come to the Lord through Jesus Christ. Little Mordecai, little, little old Mordecai who wouldn't bow down to Haman goes out in a palace, from the palace, clothed in the garment of the king. He, he must look royal and sitting up on top of that steed. And I bet he was high-stepping too. And the whole city rejoiced. The whole city started to rejoicing because they were glad. When you decide to quit compromising with the world and accept the good news of Jesus Christ, the Lord and our Savior, we too come to the palace of the king clothed in robes of white and righteousness. We'll be clothed in those beautiful robes when a time comes. The royal righteousness. And we too come with rejoicing and joy inexpressible. I love that. I love that. See, you thought this was just an old Testament story, but we're not done yet. We read in Revelation that around the throne, 24 elder thrones, on their thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their head. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our guide who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. In the book of Esther, the stage is set for a grand story of redemption and bravery. The picture looks bleak, and then it looks even worse, until God flips the story on its head and we begin to see picture by picture how God has redeemed every moment that came before. Our God is a redeeming God. Nothing in your life has gone to waste. 
No situation has been so bleak that God can't turn it on its head and make it new. In the case of Esther, Haman set out to destroy the Jews. But when God intervened, the Jews were given honor and riches by the people around them. Haman built a gallows for Mordecai, but then was hung on them himself. No matter what the enemy sets up against you, to trip you or to take you down, God will turn it around for your good. So if you're in the middle of the valley, do not fear. God is still with you. He's just waiting for the right moment to flip the story around. You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. Pastor Dave has been making his way through the book of Esther in this incredible series. If you'd like to hear more from Pastor Dave, head on over to our website, assurehoperadio.com. There, you'll find archived messages on many different topics and books of the Bible. Once again, that website was assurehoperadio.com, and you don't have to miss a single message. Follow the links to more live teachings on Facebook and YouTube. Thanks for being here today. We've come to the end of our time together, but we'll be back next time, and we hope you will too. Pastor Dave has more to share on A Sure Hope. You've rescued us. We're ready now to stand up on our feet. Born again, we now go out. We set our hope on the grace. A sure